A 24-year-old man joins his friends for a night of fun, expecting to become a member of their secret society. What he doesn't know is that his friends have a twisted plan to kill him instead. Today on Bad Axe Podcast, we hear a tale about a vampire ritual gone awry. Join us as we dive deep into this scary, scary story. and welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka, and this is our co-host... Hey, I'm Aaron. Today, we are bringing you a case out of Mexico that has cults, vampires, and even worse, bad friends. That sucks. Today's story takes place in Chihuahua, Mexico, which is both the largest state and its richest. The state of Chihuahua is in the northern part of the country and shares a border with both Texas and New Mexico in the United States. But the capital, Chihuahua City, is located at the center of the state, about a 154-mile drive from the border of Texas. That means it's close enough for us to visit. Yeah, it is. Definitely. So maybe put that on the list, maybe not. We shall see as we go through our vampire story. Absolutely. I promised you a vampire ritual gone awry. So I just want to talk for a moment about vampires. When we think of vampires, our minds usually conjure up images of pale, corpse-like figures creeping in the darkness in search of blood. Vampires often have otherworldly powers, and they can quickly and easily dominate their victims. In some stories, vampire victims even become vampires themselves. So, Aaron, what is your favorite vampire myth on how someone becomes a vampire? I enjoy stories where the victim doesn't even realize that they're being turned into a vampire. I uh, I just think that's a fun twist. Oh, so do you have an example? Uh, there's a TV show called What We Do in the Shadows. A character named Jenna has that happen. It's, it's a good story. Okay, so the accidental vampire. Maybe you yourself, Aaron, could be a vampire. It's possible. You never know. I feel like you would know because you'd probably have a craving for blood, right? Well, you would think so. Okay, so my favorite vampire myths are the sexy ones where the vampire is just really horny for the victim and that's how they get turned so there's this really sensual nature about it where the vampire is all like "Ooh, i will bite your neck or other places sometimes (laughs) it's not the neck you know what i'm saying and then the victim in response also has to bite them but they're both squirming around all pleasured by it just really getting into the bite and then they go to ground together And then sleep the night in the ground together. And in the morning, or I guess the evening, (laughs) the next day, when the sun sets, our new vampire awakens and is also now sexy. (laughs) Yes, because one thing I have learned from the vast majority of vampire lore is that vampires are sexy as hell. There you go. So I'm feeling like that's why people want to be vampires. I can see that, yeah. The subject of our story today probably did not want to become a vampire, though. But his friends decided it would be a good idea to try to make him one, according to their story. Now, clearly, just based on our discussion, we agree there are more than one ways to create a vampire in vampire lore. 
But have you ever heard of one created through ritual murder? I can't say that I have, no. No. Well, this is how our group of friends decides they are going to create their very own vampire. That seems like a bad plan. Mm-hmm. Definitely a bad plan. On March 1st, 2016, black garbage bags appeared in the streets of the historic center in Chihuahua City. Police made a horrific find when they opened the bags, which revealed a murder that would astound both authorities and the public. Inside these bags were the remains of 24-year-old Edwin Juarez Palma, also called Piwa. Piwa, as it turns out, had trusted the wrong people. Despite his killer's intentions, Piwa failed to rise from the dead after his brutal torture and murder. That's really sad. Yes, it's a very sad story, but also incredibly captivating. Now, Piwa worked in a cyber cafe called Freak Shop. As it turns out, Freak Shop is also where he died. The name of the store really stands out to me that they called it Freak Shop. It's just a regular cafe. I think it was actually sort of a computer cafe. I'm not sure where the freak part came in, but when I imagine a store called Freak Shop, I'm imagining a place with spell candles and mannequin heads with stuff drawn all over it. Really cool, edgy clothes, probably. Maybe some vampire gear, some teeth or something. Yeah, kind of a more alternative place. Yeah, like an alternative place. I would shop at this store, being serious, but I don't know that that's what the vibe they were actually creating. Yeah, well, clearly there was something freaky going on with all the vampire stuff, right? Yeah, probably. You're probably right. (laughs) Okay, so on February 29th, 2016, P was stayed in the cafe after closing on the promise of joining his friend's satanic cult. That's right, we do have a cult today. This cult is called Hijos de Baphomet Un, or Sons of Baphomet One. That's an interesting name for a cult. Yeah, now Baphomet is a goat-headed occult figure that has alternative meanings for different people. While some people associate him with demons or hell, he's also considered a symbol with different interpretations. Like, some people see him as more positive. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, the friends that Piwa was meeting that evening included the 25-year-old owner of Freak Shop, whose name is Omar Sanchez Garcia, though he prefers to be called Osiris. Other cult members would also be present. These included Gustavo Adolfo Durantes Durantes, aged 18, and Iveth Nayali Lopez Hernandez, also 18. These three teens promised that they could do the initiation ritual, despite the fact that their alleged leader was not present at this incident. Hmm, I see. That sounds suspicious to Mm -hmm. me. At closing, Piwa follows his three friends into the bathroom of the cafe to start the ritual. Once they were in the bathroom, his friends tied his hands behind his back so he couldn't escape. With Piwa tied up and unable to defend himself, the friends began beating him. Now, it's unclear if he thought this was part of the initiation. It's possible that he thought it was a hazing because there are incidences where people haze people into not just like gang type stuff, but also just clubs and fraternities. They sometimes do abusive things to each other as part of the bonding. So it's possible that he expected some form of beating to happen. That's true. 
But regardless of whether or not he expected the beating, he certainly did not expect what came next. Ivith picked up a glass bottle, broke it, and stabbed Edwin in the neck. Oh, shit. Yes, newspaper accounts describe his ordeal as torture, but it wasn't enough to kill him. Wow, man, that sucks. Mm -hmm. He survived the initial attack, so his killers ended his life by strangling him to death. And that is brutal. Yeah. Now remember, they were trying to turn him into a vampire. That's weird because you don't associate belts and strangling with turning people into a vampire, you know? Yeah, it's more like a blood ritual, it seems like. Obviously, this whole idea is stupid and you should not ever try to harm your friends or anyone. But it really stands out to me that they claim that this whole thing was part of a consensual vampire ritual. And yet, they're doing things to him that don't actually make sense based on any vampire lore. Right, yeah, their story is not consistent. Exactly. Now, if we got to him and he had blood drained from him and maybe they had all made him drink their blood or something like that, that would make sense. Yeah, totally. Like puncture wounds in the neck, mm -hmm, you know, something like that. Yeah, because this is still wrong. But I could conceive of a situation where they have tried to maybe drain out most of his blood. Because that's a frequent thing in vampire lore. Where the vampire has to mostly drain the victim, but just leave a little bit of blood left so that they're still alive. Then maybe they fed him their blood, thinking that would bring him back. That would make sense. I mean, it would be super wrong and also disgusting and murder still. But it would make sense that they thought they were trying to create a vampire. Right. It would at least be a logical story for what they're trying to claim. Yes, that is my thought here. Unsurprisingly, this plan to beat and stab and strangle their friend did not work. Yeah, uh, not surprisingly. As you can imagine, they were unable to revive Piwa as an undead supernatural creature, and the friends realized that instead they had a body on their hands. But they also had an idea. Oh boy. Yeah, because they lived in an area where there was gang activity. Right. So they decided that they would make Piwa's murder look like a gang hit. Okay. At this point, the cult members wrapped his body in black garbage bags and dumped it on the street. They figured police would see the black garbage bags, see that they were in plain view on the streets where a lot of cartel crimes are displayed, and they would just assume that it was part of organized crime. I can see what they're going for, but I have a feeling that's not going to work. Yeah, I also have that feeling because I cannot imagine the police officers just seeing a body on the street and thinking, oh, I guess we're done. Yeah, another gang gang yeah. body came up. Jeez. Yeah, no work for us today. We'll just chalk this one up to the gangs. Yeah, for Toss real. it out in the field with all the rest of them. No. Yeah. That's... They're not going to do any kind of investigation. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Being serious, if you're a police officer in an area like this, I would imagine that you're either A, really trying hard to stop the cartels, or B, you're on the payroll of the cartels. And either way, you're going to do something. Because if you're on the payroll, they're going to say, that one's not ours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This one, don't charge us for this one. Like, (laughs) y'all need to figure out who is framing us. Yeah. Don't put that on our tab. Yeah, that's not us. Or, I mean, if you're really trying to make a difference, you are going to 100% look into it. I just can't imagine a situation where they would assume that it was organized crime and then do nothing. Right, yeah. These aren't unsolved mysteries cops over here. Exactly. Okay, so after the group dumps his body on the streets, they return to Freak Show and try to clean up Piwa's blood using detergent and chloride. But their efforts failed to conceal all of the evidence of their crime. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I just feel like it's because these are not the brightest bulbs in the box. 
That seems pretty likely. I mean, they seem to be operating from this idea that they're somehow criminal masterminds, but they're making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah, they are. And one of those mistakes is leaving a witness. Now, we don't know this witness's name because the police are not playing around with victim safety here or witness safety in this case, and their identity was kept closely held as a secret. Well, good. This person saw something and knew the truth about how Pewa died. It's also possible that someone had just told this witness about the crime, but they knew a lot about what happened. So they called the police and told them exactly what was going on. And the police took that person into protection so that they could try to solve this crime. Good. Now, at this point, they know they have these suspects. So the cops go online and start searching their social media. And this is when things start to heat up for them. Because these cult members had put all kinds of suspicious stuff online. Oh, jeez. Now, reports don't specify why, but the female cult member, Iveth, had been bragging on social media that she was, quote, in a relationship with Satan, unquote, and she was posting photos depicting blood and depictions of Satan. Well, that doesn't raise suspicion at all. Yeah. Now, the weirdest part for me is that we're not talking about, like, sexy Satan. Like, I know we have shows like Lucifer where Satan is, like, all hot and ripped. And people are just really going for it. You know, just really horny for the devil here. <laughs> okay. But in these cases, she was going more for the Christian evil version of Satan, where he's more of a monster and he's kind of coming after you. Right. Yeah. Scary Satan. Yeah. Scary Satan. And that really confuses me. Why people would desire a relationship with scary Satan. I don't know. I I can't relate to that. No. And the strange part is that there's a lot of different types of Satanists. We all know this. A lot of Satanists are more like hedonistic or just don't like the way that organized religion tries to affect society. But there are Satanists that are more like the antithesis of Christianity type Satanists that exist. And this cult is definitely going for that aesthetic. But just the idea of having a super abusive boyfriend that literally his goal in life is to bring you down to a fiery dungeon and then like torment you for the rest of your life (laughs) is weird to me. Like I totally understand BDSM, but that is not the same. I mean, there are no safe words in hell. Yeah, for real. (laughs) I just, as a note to people who are just fantasizing about like pitchfork Satan, you know, (laughs) I feel like that's how we should differentiate between them. Just like maybe reconsider because maybe you're not going to enjoy it after the first, you know, thousand years or so. Maybe. Or the first one minute, I feel like that's the limit. But also we don't believe in regular Satan. We don't believe in Satan. So it's easy for us to talk about, but I don't know. I feel like she did. Apparently so. Yeah. Maybe she was like us. She doesn't have Satan in her, in her worldview. And so she can just mess with it. Maybe so. I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's where all these people are coming from. They just don't believe it. So it's easy to say, oh, he's my boyfriend. Mm." Yeah, that could be too. I'm so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, based on this witness account and the posts on social media, police obtained a search warrant for Freak Shop. During their search, police found traces of bloodstains and they were able to arrest the trio on this evidence. Well, good. Yeah, so they had three people cleaning up a bathroom. That's the most important part, I feel like. Not the most important part of the case, but of the evidence collection situation. 
because they literally are in the easiest part of the place to clean up, yeah. which is the bathroom, and still manage to leave blood. That's a good point, actually. If you can't clean up a, up a bathroom, you're not cleaning up any other place. Yeah. Also, you should definitely not murder people because you're not going to get away with it. Yes, that is an important And that's part. not the only reason I should probably... Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why, but if you're thinking about it, I feel like the, all those other reasons are lost on you. Probably I'm trying true. to come to your level here. <laughs> Don't do it, bud. You're right. Okay, so please start looking for their alleged cult leader. This is a man named Caleb Josefet Acosta Loera, who they also arrested. Caleb was not actually at the crime scene, but the trio alleges that he is the one who made the call to murder Piwa. So their version of events is that originally they were actually going to try to turn him into a vampire. But right before the ritual started, the trio tells police that Caleb called and said, no, we're not going to initiate him into the cult. He's not becoming a vampire. In fact, we are going to kill him. Really? That's interesting. Yes, but it's not explained why. Yeah, like why would he do that? (sighs) We're going to find out a possible reason in a moment. I also just want to point out that I feel like it should have been a red flag to Piwa if he really thought he was going to become a vampire, that if they had the ability to turn people into vampires... This group seems like the group that would want to make themselves into vampires, not so much convert someone else. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would not have trusted them. Yeah, for real. I wouldn't. I'm not blaming him because they're, again, they're his, like, best friends. So, clearly, he has every reason to believe them. I just feel like they're sketchy. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. According to reporting by El Norte, authorities decided to do psychological profiles of the cult members because of their claims that they could bring the victim back from the dead. I could not find these on the internet. I'm not sure if they're out there or not, but they were certainly shared at trial. And it makes sense that this theoretically could have been like a shared hallucination or something. That's not that common, but it's possible. Sure. And so I think that's what they were looking for, or just about how legitimate their claims could have been that that was their goal this whole time. Right. Yeah. You have to do the due diligence if you're going to prosecute right yeah i do wish that they would put some of this information out though just to find out if any of them were having a delusion and then if they could have shared that with anyone else right yeah okay so in court the cult members faced up to 40 years in prison for Pewa's murder which doesn't seem like a lot considering how bad it was and at trial, the prosecutor presented evidence showing that two of the perpetrators, Ivan and Omar, had a personal conflict with, with Piwa before the murder, which they argued could have been the real reason the group targeted him. So in this version of events that prosecutors put forward, it's not so much that Caleb asked for him to be sacrificed. It's more that Ivith and Omar had a beef with him, and they essentially tricked all the rest of the cult members into participating in this murder. That is more logical than the whole trying to turn him into a vampire gone wrong situation. Yeah, it does make a lot more sense, especially because it goes violent so fast and like really goes off the rails much faster than you would think if their whole plan was to make a vampire. Exactly. So before the trials actually started, Gustavo and Caleb accepted responsibility for the brutal slaying and agreed to testify for the prosecution. These are the two people who are not in the beef. So it makes sense for them to be the ones that make a plea deal because they have less of a motive to be a part of the crime. Exactly. In exchange for their help, the court gave them a lighter sentence of 13 years and four months in prison. After their trial, Ivith and Omar were convicted and they received 21-year sentences. To me, these seem like really short sentences for the crime. 
Because this, we're talking about a brutal murder. I mean, they literally tortured their friend and then strangled him when he wouldn't die fast enough. Yeah, that's cold-blooded. It really is cold-blooded, especially considering the fact that Ivith was 18 when this happened. So when she gets out of prison, she'll be 39 years old. Yeah, that's not that Super old. Super young. Yeah. Super young. And it's hard because I know we don't want prison sentences to be so long that it's ridiculous. And that it just takes the person's whole life away if they are reformed or depending what they did. But I feel like with murder and especially torture murder, the emphasis really needs to be on the victim. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's definitely something I think is we'll be hammering home a lot on this podcast. Is that victims a lot of times I don't think truly get justice because obviously you can't bring someone back from the dead you can't give someone back to their family but we can uh, try to address what happened and then make things better in the future and i feel like giving people really light sentences for this level of murder is not achieving that goal yeah i agree i agree completely so that is the story of the mexican satanic vampire murder uh, to me, it sounds like bad people looking for a reason to kill their innocent friend. I, I agree. That's just me. No, I, I think you're right on the money. It seems like Peel was a really amazing guy. Everyone on his friends list that came forward and talked about him to the media talked about how he was so uplifting and he really cared about people and honestly tried to make people feel good about themselves. And I think he gets lost in this a little bit because a lot of the images that are shared of him are depicting him in sort of edgy poses where he's kind of sticking his tongue out and making finger gestures and just you can tell that he's involved in the alternative subculture. And I think as a result of that, people just assume that he was this dark person that really wanted to be involved in this dark evil cult. But based on what people said about him, he wasn't that kind of dude. He was really a bright shining addition to their lives. So I guess that's also something I would take from this is don't judge someone based on what your perception of them is. Really get to know them. Yeah, totally. And support them and don't murder them. (laughs) Yes, definitely don't murder them. Well, thank you for listening to our first episode here at Bad Axe Podcast. If you enjoyed our episode, please like and subscribe. Also, you can leave a review over at Apple Podcasts. We have social media accounts at Bad Axe Pod. We're super active on Instagram and would love to see you there. And you can also give us feedback, suggestions, or just compliments if you have them at our Gmail account, which is badaxpod at gmail.com. We have exclusive comment on Patreon at patreon.com backslash badaxpod. And if you would like to support the show by buying us a coffee, we are also on buymeacoffee.com at backslash badaxpod. Thank you so much for listening. We cannot wait to see you again. Have an awesome week and bye-bye. Bye.